Hello, this is Discover, and we take customer service very seriously. We know that if you have a question or concern about your credit card, that's a serious matter, and you need to talk to a real person about it. So we offer around-the-clock access to seriously talented representatives in the USA. Again, it's a serious endeavor. The only funny thing about it is Bob. If you call us and Bob answers, you're in for a treat. Get 100% U.S.-based customer service and talk to a real person day or night. Discover exceptionally common sense. It takes a lot of ingredients to fix or build a car, like cooking, but without the frozen dinner easy way out. eBay Motors has 122 million parts. It's always the right fitment, so you can follow any recipe to a T. Whether it's a vintage Italian coupe that's classic like grandma's meatballs or a German luxury car that's as complicated as almost roulade. To cook up something great in the garage, use the eBay Motors app or visit ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. Hey everyone, this is the Almost Rogue Podcast. Bringing to you mind-blowing interviews with guests from all over the world. So settle down, relax, and enjoy the show. Oh yeah, by the way, if you like the podcast... Please support Elmo's World Podcast on Patreon. Your support is what helps the podcast improve more and more. Three. Welcome to Elmo's World Podcast. This is Elmo and I'm with my friend Kevin. Kevin Rice. Hey man, introduce yourself. Hi Elmo. Okay, I'm, okay so I, I'm Kevin Rice, as, as Elmo just said. And uh, I live in Islip, New York on Long Island. And I, where, where I grew up, so that, that's that, that's uh, 50 years now. You know, on and off, I, I lived in Pittsburgh for for over a decade uh, while I was married. But uh, yeah, the uh, basically, so yeah, so where, where I'm from and who I am, and you know, um, I'm under a forced re- forced retirement at the moment. But I was mm-hmm. in sales. And mm-hmm. before that, I was in security. And before that, I was in uh, home health aid, health aid. Uh, basically whatever, whatever easy entry level jobs that I could get with a college degree. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, I did pretty good in sales. So the, so the retirement was a little bit more comfortable than, you know, mm-hmm. it, it might've been otherwise, but, uh, um, so, and now we're on lockdown, so it's mm-hmm. hard. It would be hard to find work even if I were looking. Right. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah. So yeah, basically, um, I have a master's degree education. I don't have mm-hmm. the whole degree, but I had all the seminar work and then some uh, in philosophy. And, mm-hmm. you know, after I got awesome. my bachelor's, yeah, at Stony Brook. And uh, so I did my grad studies at a, a place called Franciscan University in Steubenville, Ohio. So that it was, I picked that because it's known for its Catholic orthodoxy. And uh, at the time I was, you know, I was, a, I was newly reverted to the Catholic faith. I'm still Catholic. And I wanted to go, you know, the, to the to the staunch, most orthodox place that I could to get straight, you know, straight dope, right? So that's where uh, that's where I went, and uh, and got married, you know, was married for about, I guess, let's see, until it was probably until twenty, I think it was till twenty fifteen, or twenty sixteen, no, twenty fifteen, I think. So that would have been like twelve between twelve and thirteen years. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
and uh, moved then I moved back to Islip and um and, and so I basically what I keep how I keep busy is I keep busy on my Facebook groups. I have I have several mm-hmm. that I'm that I created and then I'm the admin of. Um, my favorite, my currently my favorite is philosophy and religion because that keeps mm-hmm. me, you know, uh, keeps my my thumb on the pulse of the stuff that I love, which is what mm-hmm. you love to talk about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. And I, I'd like to ask you then that: Do you believe in God, Kevin? The big question. Oh yeah. Yes. Oh yes. Yes, I do. Amen. Amen. Yes. So you said you're a Catholic right now. Does it mean that you believe everything that the that a normal Catholic believes, or do you have some deviations, hmm. outliers? Probably. Maybe? Oh well, yeah. I maybe. I mean, uh, for one thing, my big my if if uh, if I have a departure at all, and I don't think really it is a departure. But if there's any departure from, say, Catholic Orthodoxy in me, it's my newly acquired universalism. Interesting. Using universalism, it means that everybody gets to be saved. Eventually, not not right away. You don't. Everybody everybody doesn't die, no matter how depraved they are, and go right to heaven and and be cool. Uh, what do you mean by eventually? Uh, you know, pumping elbows with Jesus. What do you well, mean by uh, eventually? Well, I believe in a, a hell that corresponds to what in what in Catholicism is called purgatory. Mm-hmm. So uh, we all get purged of whatever is, uh, whatever uh, it would be between sort of a, a a a barrier between your psyche, your soul, and being able to be perfect love with God, right? Mm-hmm. Anything in you that makes you less than perfect, it would be purged out of you. However, God could do it out of love, but it wouldn't be just just because it's out of love doesn't mean it wouldn't be painful. Things these things are painful in this life. You yeah, know, but there's no such thing as life. hell, right? That's what you're saying, as well. Well, it, hell in terms of eternal, endless no. punishment, no. Okay, so no, what's no, the no, difference that... between pur- purgatory and hell? If if hell isn't eternal, like. Is purgatory hell, but only time limited? That's kind of what I believe. Yeah, that's kind of what I believe. Yeah, that that, that mm-hmm. uh, hell is purgatory. Yeah. Okay, so I guess that what interests me about that specific doctrine, right, is that it mm-hmm. seems to be unconsequential. You know, for example, like, and if if we're all saved, right, and eventually, even if I'm going mm-hmm. to be purged, eventually I'm still going to heaven, like, so I'm going to enjoy the heck out of life, you know, and be the worst sinner ever, and and I'll just get purged in purgatory, and I'll eventually go to heaven anyways. Yeah, well, I mean, if you want to, that's, I think, what a, what a lot of people do, mm-hmm. right? Right. But and wouldn't if, that look, make here's the thing. Uh, Christ's... If, uh, death and resurrection irrelevant or at least unessential no because the only way anyone gets saved is through that mm-hmm. right see mm-hmm. so everyone gets saved but that's how they get saved right I get, so. yeah okay so it's like a, it's like an enforced vaccine for the to, for the for every citizen but they're they're still going to you know, ignore all the restrictions and the social distancing because you know I'm gonna say be saved anyways. Well, if you want, it wouldn't be like that. It would be more like I'm gonna I'm, instead of getting vaccinated, I'll just get sick and then get cured, and I'll yeah. suffer a lot. 
but eventually I'll still get healed anyways because Christ died for me. God's never going to give up on anyone, but if you want to take the hard road, a lot of people will, mm -hmm. right? But I it's guess the hard that, road. I it's guess not that, the easy road. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess I, I have a lot of universalist friends as well. But the thing about that though, right? Like, um, doesn't it make the, you know, Christ coming here and and not and i guess that the the part of salvation it's necessity uh to be shared to other people it's it's it becomes like a bonus you know like living the christian life it's it's just extra because i'm going to be saved anyways well it's not it's really it's not like it's inconsequential how you live and what you believe it makes mm -hmm. a lot of difference and you once you feel it after say Say a person dies, let's say they believe everything I believe, and they say, well, then the heck with being a Christian. I'm just going to get saved anyway, so I'll just mm -hmm. I'll just live my life however it pleases me and mm -hmm. be as selfish as I want to be and enjoy as much as, as I can in that way, mm -hmm. all right? And then die, and then God will just purge me. He'll just have to spend a lot of extra purging right yeah. on me, right? Okay, well, but I guess that that, 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 mm -hmm. that would be a prescription for misery. Mm -hmm. A lot of misery, some in this life and a lot in the next life. Mm -hmm. Okay, I guess the, the, uh, there are cons, but I guess there are also pros there, right? Like it escapes the 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 whole analogy or or like of God being this evil deity that that throws people in hell for all eternity, right? It it escapes mm -hmm. that yes. divine comedy, right? Right. Okay. Yeah, that, yeah. That critique loses a lot of its teeth. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, but I guess like in terms of, you know, I guess you believe in God and Jesus Christ and the Trinity. Let's talk about the problem of evil first. I guess that's really sure. uh, the, the essence of why so many people don't believe in God. You know, I, I meet a lot of atheists yeah. and mainly that's the thing. Like why it, we're looking at this universe full of horror and pain and suffering. Yeah. And Seems what, gratuitous, yeah. Yeah, so wh why do you believe in a God? How about you? Okay. Well, I had a personal encounter. Uh, basically, uh, it was a subjective experience. I didn't have um, some flesh dude come bump up into my nose. That's not how it was. But it was still a personal encounter within me with Christ. And at the time, I was barely a generic theist just coming off of uh, a long period of hostile agnosticism. What people would now would, would they now call atheism because now it is a little bit more consensus about what atheism is. Uh, mm -hmm. It's basically not believing, whereas before it was actively disbelieving and saying something was false. Right? Uh, that was back in the 90s. The, there was a little bit less consensus about what atheism was. So I took the name agnostic, but I was a I wasn't just a a cool chilled agnostic. I was hostile. I was what you might call a disangelist, the opposite of an evangelist. I wanted to spread unbelief. I wanted to free people from the shackles of religion. And so I was hostile. And I was co just coming off of that, and I didn't have a, a path or a theology. Right? I just I had a belief based on, a, on a, an odd experience of an answered prayer when I was desperate that something yeah. was true. Yeah. But I didn't have any belief in any kind of organized religion. I didn't believe in the Bible or Christianity, any of that. Mm -hmm. And I had this encounter. And Interesting. What, and what, what, what came to me in this encounter two, were two things, things that I simply knew. And I simply knew that 
that the being that I was encountering was not only God, but Jesus Christ, which was mm-hmm. surprised. I didn't know that. But that was not the first, the most important thing uh, and primary thing that I was being mm-hmm. told. That was the second thing, and that was made, that was what made me a Catholic. The first thing and primary thing I was being told, and it took me a very, very long time to assimilate this, only recently, and that's why I'm a universalist now, and that is that divine providence is inescapable. It is indefatigable. Mm-hmm. You cannot get off of God's plan for your life. Nothing you do, nothing you think or try will 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 take you off the track. The track is set. Okay, it includes all of your free decisions. They're still free, but it's all it's all providential, and that means either you have double predestination, or God's going to save everybody. He wants mm-hmm. to save everybody, so. Double predestination doesn't seem to be much of a – like, if I believe that, why would I even, even care then? Because it would be more likely, I think, that I'd be damned. I'd be, I'd be one of the many. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, so why bother with it then? I guess, like, when I look at that narrative, right, right, like right now, if I, if I was, in, let's say, an agnostic and examining mm-hmm. your univer- universalist cosmic story in relationship between God and man, you know, you see this God – he put the humanity at a at a position where they can decide their own fates. They have their they mm. have their own free will. They can sin and not sin. They can worship God, and not worship God, and he's still gonna save them anyways. But there's mm. just all this uh, trash and pain and suffering, all in this right. this I guess like let's say five that twenty thousand year existence of human yeah, beings, whatever. possibly maybe yeah. yeah yeah. So like. Yeah. So what's the point? You know, if if everybody's gonna be saved anyways, like why why make this dance of of humans trying to to you know find themselves? What do you mean? Let's put that script because what is what is being saved about? Most people, especially since Saint Augustine in the fifth in the fifth century, uh, and especially going past the ninth century think that saving safe means either primarily or exhaustively nothing but escaping eternal torment but it's something that you're being saved for not just what you're being saved from uh you're being saved for theosis divinization it's to become god it's to become infinite it's to be fully uh, embedded in the trinity in the life of the trinity mm-hmm. yeah that's 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 absolute being consciousness and bliss right there. Mm-hmm. So that's well worth it. Well worth mm-hmm. all the cost. So yeah, that's that is the point. Mm-hmm. I guess it, like w- what you're saying is like the at the end point of this, you know, whole journey of conflict and everything. Like where where every like let's say like twenty billion humans that have ever existed. Uh, mm-hmm. All, all saved, all united in heaven or new, new heaven, new earth or something, and we're yeah. all going to be—I wouldn't say part of God, but like be fully integrated into the divinity and be, exactly. be God Himself. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. that's theosis. Uh, to it's not that one becomes fully embedded in the essence of God. You want to, uh, but but by but in His activity of. Mm-hmm of pouring himself out beyond himself into creation he's going to break bring creation back into him mm-hmm. and make creation and creator one thing mm-hmm. 
Okay. Well, okay. Let, let's get, let's go back a bit, and I, I want to analyze the personal encounter that you mentioned. You know, a yeah, spiritual okay. one. Let's let's analyze it epistemologically because this is the these are things that I am really interested in talking about because you're someone who's into philosophy and understands the mm-hmm. basics uh, basics of it and and you yeah. you mentioned it is subjective right but wh- how, yes. why would you rely on it because you know it could be delusion it could be just something that you know you came to you from out of your imagination or whatever uh, or in. Wh- like, why would you believe such an encounter and use it as a as the basis and foundations of your whole worldview? Well, I can't not believe it because all any possibility of skepticism about it or critical thinking was was subverted and overcome by the very mm-hmm. nature of the, of the what, encounter. Are you saying it's was, purely irrational belief? Well, it's it got past the whole rational irrational distinction mm-hmm. into simply what the experience was not something of finding out something or figuring something out or inferring something based on some sort of phantasm of the imagination the experience was of simply knowing those two data that I that I just mentioned simply knowing it right when you if you ever simply know something you just know it Interesting. right and you can't doubt it. That's what that was like, and that has abided. That has stayed with me. Okay, okay. But when you say that you simply know something, you know, let's say mm-hmm. I simply know that one plus one equals one, but I would have to say that it, it is justified for me to believe. Wait, what? That one plus one equals two? I mean, sorry, I made a mistake there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I understood. Yeah, but. but what when you say that you simply know that you had this real personal encounter with Christ himself it, mm-hmm. to me it's just babble or delusion like how would you be able to convince me that what that what you had was real you can't no there's no way it's not for anyone else it was just for me and i believe it was because of an answer of a prayer my mother was like saint montaga to this got to this uh, yours truly is Augustine. Uh, my mother had been praying for me for years and years, and I think uh, the prayer got answered. Interesting. Wow. Hmm. But I guess that in in terms of why you believe in God, right? So you're act. You have some sort of revelation, type of knowledge that came about you. Okay, can you like describe what this specific knowledge is? That, or did it say that it's Christianity that's the right thing, or what kind of is it? The Holy Spirit working in you, and what what is it? Uh, how the mechanics of it happened, I I'm not I'm not privy, right? I'm I was the patient of that, right? Not the doctor, but uh, what happened was I simply knew that it was God that was communicating with me and that he he was Jesus Christ and that I what happened was I was I had undergone some uh, a recent upheaval of my life and a, and a, a relationship had ended and I gotten into a, a, a evicted from my apartment had to move back in with my mother and I didn't really have much of a direction in life I had uh, I didn't even have I didn't have a college degree at the time and I was like am I going to go back to school if so for what Right, and this was this was quite a while ago. This was, you know, about a quarter of a century ago. We're talking about, right? So, um, so what happened was, 
I, I'm just going about my day one day and doing chores and getting things done. And suddenly, in the, as in the background, the back of my mind, suddenly I'm seeing a life review of my life. And it's, you know how you know, someone, like, if they're drowning, they have their life pass before, flash before their eyes, and they're like a second. It was, it was like that, but in slow motion. It took most of a day. And in the background, abiding in the background, was this deep sense of providence that I had not fallen off of the track of, of God's plan. I thought I had. I thought that God was giving up on me because I had screwed up again, and this was it. He was, he was giving up on me, and there was no more plan for my life. And what came to me was that that, could, that is not true and never, ever, ever could be. There's mm -hmm. no possibility of that. And the one telling me that, to my surprise, was Jesus. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay. Okay, I get, okay, let's say that, um, uh, let's talk about the gospel. Because it, I guess yeah. that it, because of your universalism, you sort of, <laughs> sort of made it obsolete. Uh, what is the role of the gospel? Or if, if everybody's going to be saved anyway, then why the hell should I evangelize, share it, you know, live the word? Well, good news, first of all. It's really good news that God loves everyone and is going to save everyone, and it's well worth it's well worth bringing people in on board as soon as they mm -hmm. can come on board. Why wait till you're dead and suffering? <laughs> okay, okay. Like so, you're, you're like saying like, look, here's the beta version, but it's not the it's not the real thing yet. But you know, if you want it, then if you like it, I'm just sharing it with you because you can well, have it right now. We get to start now. We get to participate in that now without being able to see it, but by faith, we can believe it. But we're still really participating in it right now. We're not, it's, not the, it's not the feeling version yet. That's right. It's still mm -hmm. – you know, we, we still haven't got all the you – know, we haven't gotten the – but we can still get, we can still get mm -hmm. uh, ex feeling experiences if we you – know, daily prayer is an amazing thing, okay? And the more that you uh, interact with God, the more he draws close to you. And you will feel the difference. You will know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But when it comes to that, like it's very unfalsifiable, right? Like when you say yeah, that, you would know. Right? right. It, yeah. So, so well, you, it's not, you could no be just can, delusional no and right. you wouldn't know because you're, you're not even attempting to falsify it because you accept the fact that it is, it is right. pure knowledge, right? Right, yes. It's just what's given. So, But how would the, you escape I mean, the that? The bottom line is if I'm wrong, I'll die a fool. And no one who 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 uh, mm -hmm. who believes me is believe would be believing the right thing, and no one who disbelieves me would be doing the wrong and thing. And you're falling but into no like way a Pascal's to, wager now, right? Like you're saying that hey, hey it, it, I might be wrong, but you know it, I could be right too. And you're looking at the benefits and advantages and the disadvantages. So it's that yeah. is that really what is that the foundation of why you believe in Christ, the Pascal's wager? No, because I mean, like I said, I had that encounter. So anything that yeah. any kind of wager situation would be just something that, and I don't use it. Mm -hmm. Just be using that to to you know speak to someone and say and say, look, this is something that happened to me, and if even if I can't prove it's true, yeah, you can give it a shot and see how it goes. Um, and that would be you know any that would be the use of my only use of the wager, just to say, try it. You have nothing to lose. Okay, let's talk about the 
the meaning of life because you know following mm. what you said right like um we're all going to be saved anyways so so why not now like why is god like postponing it like why are we uh-huh. here like why are children still being abused people dying mm-hmm. of cancer and these wars and all these conflict why, yeah. why 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 is this still happening if everyone's going to be saved anyways what are we waiting for well, well that's i think that's a good question i like i want to focus on those last few words the uh the one oh the words what are we waiting for because really it's on us okay mm-hmm. to it says in first corinthians 15 that he is going to reign that he that he is he will reign the son of god will reign until the father has brought all uh, all of us all creatures and all people under his feet i think that what that means is christ is reigning now and he's waiting for us all to be in submission to him all of us and he's going to wait and wait on us, and he's going to keep giving us grace to help us get there. And however long it takes to get there, that's that's where it's going to be. So the the question is, why haven't we all submitted? Right? When we when we all have, that's when the new that's when the new kingdom begins. That's when Christ. That's when God will be all in all. Hmm. Hmm. But I guess that you know, like. It's really unnecessary, right? Like you know, because because you know, when Christ died and got resurrected, there was no need for anything else after, because everyone that in the past and the, that could have lived in the future and in the present were already saved because of what Christ did and in yeah. his resurrection. So, I guess it's still a uh, sort of a mystery why there's still this postponement right? but we, when you said that it's up to us yeah what is, what the i guess like so it, if it, so we're here now after christ you know like right. ascended into right. heaven and we we've spent right. like 2000 years uh already saved human beings all discovering our potential and all of that and doing what we can on this earth to what end like what why me right now let's say i'm a 21 years old living my life in a 100 year lifespan or less like why am i here if i'm if i kill myself i'm going to be going to heaven anyways well do you i don't think that you really believe that you could do that and have a good time right i don't think that you think that it would that would be better it definitely contributes to the, to God's glory that we live this life. He made it for that reason, and it it is in it is His will that we that He not impose communion with Him on us, whether we like it or not, but rather that we that we uh, submit to Him freely and say yes, it would be good for us to come into communion with perfect love and happiness. Mm-hmm. That would be better than not. So right? there's sort of and two things you said there, right? Like you say that um, it's bad for God to impose himself on me and I have to find my, find him for myself, right? And in this with the help of his grace, yeah. Yeah, and, and I guess the second thing was sort of the same, right? Like that, um, that the, I guess that this life is a necessary test for me to be able to... Uh, 
I, it's not going to be a good time, right? If if I do that, so wh- right. what does it? What? Why does it have to be a good time? Like and why? Well, like because like and the the first one, right? Like, but but the first one th- uh, is that um, like many people are going to die never having heard the gospel, and they're yeah. going to wake up in heaven, right? So I like, God sort of imposed Himself on them without with them having this that. lifetime. I really don't actually. I really don't know about that. I I know. I believe, rather, I should say, I believe with an abiding conviction about where we all end up. But as for what happens to people who've never heard the gospel, or people who have heard it but didn't really have enough light to believe it, or people who heard it and believed it and rejected it. I mean, I don't think that it's all the same with all of those classes of people, and I don't know exactly what happens to any of them. I don't. Mm-hmm. We really don't know what happens to any of us, honestly. We're just we're believing what we what we. What you're we, sort of discounting your new, universalism us. doctrine, though, right? What? Because when you say that everybody, when you say that everybody goes to heaven. That it, that include that includes those that haven't heard those those that have yeah. heard and rejected. Yeah, eventually. So, yeah. Eventually, right? So eventually, right. Uh, someone who eventually someone who has never heard yeah, okay. the gospel in their whole life, they're eventually going to have wake up in heaven and hey, you're going to worship me because I I gave you that life and I, Christ died for you and all of that. So there's still that imp- essence of imposition that you were trying to avoid. Let me say, I don't think that's true. And I think that's not true because it's it's never at any point imposed. It's always people get the grace that they ask for in whatever way they ask for it. They ask for it, they get it, and they, they, they take another step, and they take another step. And, and I, what I'm saying is I don't believe death is a barrier, an absolute barrier to continuing that kind of progress. So, like in in, in pur- purgatory, we could have like we still like find God's glory in our suffering and be while something being purged. Like something like that. Or I believe I believe that that if you ever heard of the doctrine of the harrowing of hell, it's an old Orthodox, you know, uh, trope. Can have you, you tell me? Can you tell me? Okay, all right. In it's an old it's it's in the Orthodox liturgies and it's it's in Catholic liturgy too, but a little it's a little more subdued because Catholicism tends to be more infernalist, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, at least traditionally. Um, but there's a belief that, and it's in the creed, that Christ died, was buried, and his soul went to hell, and freed the captives there. What I believe is that that didn't happen in time. That happened outside of time, and all souls that ever have been or will be were there, freed with him. Just as all we were all drawn into him while he was on the cross, we were all up there with him. We just haven't caught up to that yet, subjectively, in time. But in eternity, we were all up there. We were all there. We all died with him. We all, he went to hell with us, and we rise with him. In eternity, that's what happened, you know. But we haven't, in time, we haven't caught up to that, right? In our lifetimes, we have we haven't subjectively felt that. But that on the on the eternity scale, that's exactly what happened. Christ emptied hell. 
Mm-hmm. They call it the harrowing of hell, and it's, it's worth you know looking into. Okay, okay, that's cool. Well, I I would say that the nature of the uh, the 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 impact of Christ's death. Well, I'm I don't know for certain, but I'm 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 just gonna refer to what the Bible says for now, and and sure. leave the, all the hypothesis in in the in the philosophical realm. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay. Well, okay. When it comes to you know um, ethics, or I guess, I guess like well, we're both Christians here, so like how should we humans or Christians behave in this lifetime, right? Like what 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 are is our standard of what is good or bad? Because if mm. I, I would I would I guess you would say that or okay, let's look at how Christ lived and all of that. But you might refer to something like a conscience that it's natural. Yeah inclination but you would also say that there's sinful nature there so what what how would the, we christians know what is right and what is wrong and and how, why we should do it well we start i start with the basics okay the basics that jesus said which is love god with all your heart all your mind all your soul everything you're all all, all everything that is you has to be dedicated to loving God and love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. Mm-hmm. And then everything else, as the rabbis used to say, is just footnotes to that. So you basically live in love every day. You try to love, you do your best to love absolutely everybody. Everybody you meet, you say in your head, silently in your head while you're looking in their eyes and whatever you're, they're saying to you and you're saying to them, in your in your head you're saying, I love you, and there's not a thing you can do about it, okay? And if you do that, okay, then all of the commandments, all of the, you know, moral theology texts about what, you know, what what to do and what not to do, those are all footnotes that can be helpful. But when they don't help you to do that basic thing, which is love God and everybody else, then you just disregard those because, you know, you're not, you, you don't know how to – not because they're wrong. They probably are right. But you don't know how to assimilate them yet. So do the basics. Get the basics down. Then, as you can, assimilate the rest. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, let, let's talk about um, what you said about love, right? Let, let's say that um, uh, my Christianity, I guess, it br- brings me to to vote for abortion. Because I, I would, let, let's say... For me, I love my neighbor, which is my my friend who was raped, right? And I would want her to not to suffer in in life, so that's why I would uh, allow for for her to have this abortion. What that's from my love. So, but how would I, I know if that's the right thing to do? Well, I mean, we can all be mistaken about that. You could be mistaken about that. I would disagree that that's the that's the way to go, and mm-hmm. I could be mistaken about that. Where. You know, fundamentally, though, since we can all be in error about what's the best way to love, isn't it most important to be loving, right? And then figure out the rest, okay? Because we're going to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But if, if we get the first thing wrong, if we don't love, if we're not doing things out of love, if we're doing things out of some kind of, you know, you know, rule consciousness, mm-hmm. right? We're still going to make mistakes, mm-hmm. but we're going to do it without love. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I guess what you're saying is that we we ha- we 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 should be loving, even though we have a vague under only have a vague understanding of what specific love entails, 
right? Right. We, we should always be trying to figure out and understand love better and do better. But start with the love, right? Make sure that you do that. Mm-hmm. And, then it, and then insofar as you can, assimilate what you and your conscience believe is the best. Say, if you, if you think that there's a rule book that's generally reliable, you can mm-hmm. adopt it. Mm-hmm. Okay? But you're adopting it out of love. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I have the Catholic moral theology rule book, so I would say that abortion thing would be a bad idea. But And you might have a different rule book. But if we're both agreeing that we do out of love, that's more uh, – in the in the end, in eternity, I believe that's more important. Yeah, so – yeah, okay. Back to the question then about love, right? Like let's yeah. say that um, – Love is this vague thing, but we all have to be loving Christians still in our lifetimes. But um, as a Christian, you know, I'm I personally have my, you know, like worldly goals in life. You know, I want mm. to be successful. You know, have a mm. good family. But but is it re- is it okay for me to have those selfish desires? What as a Christian, what do you think? Well. I think it, some, a desire is only selfish if you pursue it at the expense of other people's do good, right? If if you owe something to someone else, if you owe someone some honor or obligation and you forego it just to pursue some desire of your own, some less important thing, less not unobliged, that's selfish. But trying to – but being the steward of your own good and your own happiness, that's not selfish. That's just how – God made us. We're we're supposed to, we're supposed to try seek to prosper, so that we can help others. All right, and that's not selfish. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so in in terms of that, um, should I share the gospel? It, it, and my, should my attitude for it be like, oh, I need you to to know this. Because it it it's, it will determine your eternal fate and in hell or heaven, or is it like oh I have good news for you you're going to be going to heaven anyways whether you like it or not. So, but you. <laughs> well, well actually that that wouldn't be no the way I would pronounce the good news. I would pronounce the good news that God is saving everybody and He loves you and uh, the best way to get on board with that is right now. Mhm. Mhm. Okay, so I'm going to ask you more specifically about like why you believe in God other than the the personal encounter that you've had with him. You know like yeah. do, do you okay. do, is there any other reason let, let's say like more rationally or philosophically yeah. like like let, let's say uh, an atheist came to you, hey prove to me that at least it, that your belief in God is not just a delusion or a lie or a religious uh, fallacy. Yeah. Like, like uh, how would you go about that? Well, I became a Christian because of the encounter, but before that, I was a generic theist because of an answered prayer. But even before that, there was always this sense, even when I was what I guess would, like I think, some many would now call an atheist. I was not a believer as such. There was still this strong, abiding sense that there was something that I mean, not that not that what I not that I wanted to call it a god or thought that it was God in any kind of religious sense, but th- there was more 
there was more to existence than you know what we could see and uh, touch and feel and taste and detect with our instruments. There was something spiritual. There was something transcendent that came, that keep that kept peeking out from behind the curtain, like you know the wizard in the Wizard of Oz, and once in a while you know winking at us and doing things, right? So I believed that the the world is in is in a state that it's in, not just you know, and it's I'm talking about its fundamental state, its beauty, its order, right? That makes any idea of it just being an accident sort of hard to accept, and I never quite accepted that. I never could. I always felt like there was something I didn't know. I, as far as I knew, maybe it created it and then dropped dead. Right? I didn't know what was going on with that, but I knew that it wasn't an accident. I couldn't believe that it was an accident. There's there are little fingerprints that intelligent say design, more, basically, something like that. Mm. I would call it teleology because the intelligent design crowd tends to think of God as this sort of like tinkerer. He comes along later and says, "Oh, I can make that better." Right? Mm -hmm. But we believe. I mean, I believe in the God that produced everything intelligently. Right, from within, and gives it its nature from within, so it doesn't have to come along outside and play with it, and you know, you know, mess with it and make it better. Right? It's not like that. Okay. Other than I guess, like seeing purpose in in this, I guess, inferred creation yeah. that that we have. Sure. Uh, what do you have? Like other reasons why you believe, or is it just well, that? Well, I always had that intuition that there was something, and that was confirmed. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. then there's my day-to-day -day walk with God. The most mm -hmm. important thing that I think anyone who wants to know whether there is a God can do is to pray as if they did believe it. Because you don't really have anything to lose. All right? And things are going to happen if you do that. Mm-hmm. I guess that like uh, then it wouldn't when it comes to that you know like for example if if I was an atheist and you told me that hey man just pray to God as if he's real and f you'll right. find out whether or not he is real eventually like, like let's say if I tried it and I did that I didn't feel anything you know I I, I attempted my best but there was nothing like then. That would that would be no reason for me to believe at all because you know. It well, I would work. say if you, I would say that it's going to work. There's no, there's no time limit on how long it's going to take. So mm -hmm. just keep it up. Okay, 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 okay. So when it comes to that, like you know, you mentioned earlier about that teleology, right? It's seeing purpose in this uh, creation. Um, when it comes to you know, let's say Genesis, right? Um, what would be your understanding of how we came about? Like, for example, there are those young creationists, but there we're mm -hmm. there are also old Earth Christians, you know. But and, mm -hmm. and then then we have the global flood and and oh. everything. Like, what's your take on that? Like, where have you Genesis? The first dozen or so chapters of Genesis is almost like a black box to me. I'm not exactly sure what to take of it as far as its literal content. I think, I think, a lot of 
a lot of what in ancient people knew about it is lost. You know, mm-hmm. they that was the unwritten stuff. The uh, you know, the oral traditions, and so they understood things about that just by just by having had those been privy to those traditions. So that when they read the text, they read the text knowing those things. These are things we don't know. They do, and we don't. So, uh, I mean, I I'm not convinced that that creation took place over the course of 144 hours and then God took a nap. I'm not really convinced that that literally happened. I think, I think the first chapter of Genesis is a hymn. It's a song. It has refrains. It has repetitions like a song. It's not meant to be taken as prose, as in prose narrative of facts. It's meant to be, it's more poetic and it's meant to affirm something it's in a poetic way. Like something like that. Yes. Um, and I, it has a certain structure where, so like the first three days correspond with the second three days, first to fourth, second to fifth, third to sixth. There's a, there's a pattern there. And so there's a hint in that pattern that, okay, so there are three days with no sun, but there's day and night cycle. That's, I mean, that's, that's a big hint right there that it's not meant to be taken as a literal factual chronology. That it's that it's more of a poem organized uh, around something that already existed. That is a liturgical week. There was already this sense of de- of dedicating a seventh day, right, to in a week to God, and so that this this narrative is structured around that, and is meant to confirm that. It's meant to say, look, we all owe our existence to God. God didn't wasn't something that just happened and he didn't get made by something else god made everything god is uh, the source of everything and the source of us and he and he made us with a certain see over the rest of the creation okay these are things that we can believe very literally mm-hmm. so but when it comes to the specific year i guess time it's probably more than a billion years of, of i guess time span of creating Yeah, I mean, hard to know. I mean, anything before there were human beings to count it so goes it goes back into a, a say a quantum primordial mist where once there are human beings, sort of like uh, I guess you know in a in a quantum physics sense, collapsing the wave by looking at it suddenly it becomes something that it wasn't before. Before it was, before that it was just a, a, a lot of possibilities. So. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's almost weird to even talk about, you know, how many billions of years there were before there were before there were creatures that could observe things, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but you know, I guess when of... it comes to just you know, like basically, just let's say abiogenesis and then evolution from that to humanity. Mm-hmm. Right now, would you say that it took the billions of years for that to occur? Uh, could uh, look. I think that I mean I'm pretty open to looking at the evidence in all sorts of ways, including young Earth ways. I'm not convinced that they that the young Earthers have the right interpretation of Genesis, so that that puts them behind the eight ball in terms of how believable I find their approach to the science, mm-hmm. right? But I'm not closed to it. I mean I. 
there are weird things that you look at and that, that from any perspective no one can explain like dinosaur bones that you crack them open and they have soft tissue uh, no one has been able to explain that to my satisfaction so i guess you're right? on the fence about evolution and what, and what what specific details occurred in the past right right i'm okay. i'm open to what the science says but i'm not going to I'm not going to be like, oh, there, there it is. That's how it works. I don't know. We need a time machine to know. For sure. I'll just say like, mm. okay, that, that, that sounds but like I a guess good the, model. You know, like knowing, the, let's say, you know, you mentioned you believe in universalism and everything like that. I think it is essential, you know, when it comes to, to what, uh, like our history entails. Like, for example, if we did evolve, you know, from, from pre-human ape-like mm. creatures then uh, there there will be some doctrinal consequences there for example like uh th th does adam and eve actually exist you know and the and what actually occurred in the garden of eden and all of that what would yeah. you would you say well, that there are they are just metaphorical adam and eve i strongly suspect that there were there was a primordial couple I tend to take them rather literally, not in a dogmatic way, not because it couldn't possibly be otherwise, but because I don't think there's enough evidence uh, to deny it, right? There's also, the, I mean, we don't really know what the timetables on on this are. So, uh, that say, so there, if there was, also we don't know what it means for Adam and Eve to be the first human beings. I mean, what was there before? Nothing or pre-human hominids. What 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 humanizes a living animal body, right? Does so. And how many of these pre-Adam, pre-Adamic Homo sapiens say we're there? We we don't know any of these details, so we can't really say. Oh, the science says that Genesis is a fable. The science doesn't even know how to approach. The Genesis narrative. The Genesis narrative is uh, is so open to many, so many different interpretations that the all we can do with the science is say, well, you know, this is the best guess we have for now about how to interpret this if we believe it to be true in some sense. Mm -hmm. So I guess you're you're going to take the position that you know, like science just shows us the best model for now, but it doesn't really mean that it is what actually happened in the right. past right because future science could overturn what we know now and then a future science from that could overturn that mm -hmm. but i guess like when it comes to you know what what science is telling us right now like let's say science shows us that that there are layers and layers of sediments that show you know millions of years of 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 erosion and everest and super sedition you know and all of that it does show a, a a huge narrative of that there's no that of you know like dismantling everything young earthers believe or a 24 yeah. hour creation yeah yeah they have a, they're they like i said they're behind the eight ball they have a lot to overcome and when when it comes to me i don't even think that they're reading of genesis is very you know is is uh, all that profound i think it's a little shallow uh so um that means i don't have 
their confidence that that's what the Bible is saying to to go back to the science with that, mm-hmm. right? They have that, and I don't about their stuff. Mm-hmm. So their so their approach to the science has that, you know, albatross weighing on it mm-hmm. that it doesn't even seem to have to fit. It doesn't really fit the book of Genesis as I yeah, interpret it. Yeah, I guess anyway. you know I was asking uh, you all about this because I wanted to know uh, your take on what happened in the Garden of Eden theologically, right? Let, let's say okay. that you know there's the there's these. Let's say you you say you believe you actually believe in a primordial couple, right? Let's say right. that. That the, and this couple, whether or not the serpent did exist or not exist, or if it was just a, right. a spirit, or a, you know, a, a form the devil Who took, or whatever. But the, yeah. it, the these this couple were were let's say the first human beings, and they were they were probably import very important, let's say patriarchal, and they determined the fate of human of the human race by right. their actions. Yes, and so, yes, right. so, so, can you tell me like what happened there when they actually sinned or faltered in in this in a specific event that was mm-hmm. essential? Like what happened there? Did they gain actually actually gain this something or lose something? What happened there? What do you think? Well. I can be, we're, I'll be speculating then, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My speculation is uh, actually that Adam is, is the ultimate source of the oral traditions that became the first chapter of Genesis, and Eve, the source of the of chapters two through three, and maybe two, maybe two through six or seven, whatever it is. But the uh, so the the six day creation hymn came from Adam because, and I believe it was because. It, he was either already worshiping God once every seven days or because or that revelation was what led him to do that. But it was always bound up in the seventh day Sabbath structure. Right. And Eve came along and was so ashamed of what her and Adam did that they, that that the narrative she passed on to her children. And that's us is is hidden behind all sorts of symbolism. So uh, the, the symbolism of the tree and the fruit and the serpent and, you know, some people seeing a little – some sexual metaphor in there, it's it, – I think it, it's all an indication that whatever happened, we're, we're not supposed to know uh, because the people who knew didn't want to tell us. They only told us that a thing happened, right? But what that was, uh, what that entailed, uh, it would probably appall us. Mhm. It's a interesting take on it. Okay, but let's say what well, about like was there anything spiritual that occurred there? You know, let's say that you know when when Eve and Adam, you know, they they sinned, you know, or or f- made something wrong in in the face of God. Like, did their spirit die or something or? And mm-hmm. how and why did it start this whole, like sure. yeah? I'll tell you, my speculation is this, and sheer speculation. It just it's just because I prefer to have this a thought of something that may have been, rather than a nothing but a question mark. Um, but it's just that it's just you know it's just you know me thinking well well what if it was this right? My thought is that humanity. 
prior to what they call the fall, existed in a sort of enhanced, uh, sorry, enhanced state of consciousness, something mm -hmm. more psychedelic, more, but naturally so, right? Uh, so I think that humanity was sort of psychically in tune with all of nature. They, the first humans were like gods, basically. And this was uh, a, a gift from God that they had to stay in communion with him to keep, right? It wasn't just, you know, given in their nature, okay? It was something, it had to do with their relationship. And whatever happened, whatever they did, took them out of that, 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 that relationship, out of the dynamic of that relationship that was keeping them in this immortal God-type state, okay? And, and so it brought them back into what was given in nature, pure human nature that we have now. So, uh, so they had, so what they didn't have anymore, they couldn't pass on to us. They didn't have that grace anymore, so they couldn't pass that on to us. So what they've had to pass on to us was just what we got. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess you know that that what you just said, like, paints a whole different narrative now when it when i look at it it's it's it, i guess like it's a huge deviation from the you know the basic traditional uh catholic belief but okay okay let's say but uh, but how about like um you know just basic like free will you know the yeah. do you do you think that uh we as human beings could actually determine uh our own future independent of God's uh, will for us. Right. Uh, independent only of his, say, declarative and, you know, his antecedent will, right? Um, but with his permissive, but it is, there's still his permissive will. You know, there's what God would want for us, knowing that it's our, the best for us, and there's what God knows that we will do anyway, right? Because he understands us, he knows us. Uh, we still, and our free choices are all in that, are all in that, are all well within what he knows with his, and, and decrees with his permissible. Um, so, we're, we're, yeah, we're still free, and God is still absolutely provident. But is, um, it, is it a permissive will contradictory? Like, it, it, even, it, even if it is permissive, it's still his will. So, right. it, so if it's still his will, then it, it's, it's not our will. When we're just, you know, we'll like... See, that's the difference. You see, if he were a creature, if he were just competing with, with uh, or ontological space with other creatures, right, then he would be competing with our will, with his. But because he is the source of our will and the source of all of our freedom, then no, it doesn't compete. They're not in the same space. Interesting. Yeah, I guess that it's more like, a, I don't know, a panning well i guess that you know because yeah. it, that our, our will is just you know like a, a a small part contingent on god's will that yes that they don't wouldn't you get like a lot of doctrinal uh problems with that to say that you know human will is is part of essentially part of God's permissive will too. Well, uh, I'm I've always been something of a Thomist since mm -hmm. I since I converted, okay. and 
in tome in tomism you know yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. We, we tend to we tend to go with what Thomas Aquinas said about how our our uh, powers, the powers of our soul, our intellect and will, are participations mm-hmm. in what God is, and what in, in in God's intellect and in God's you know will. So it, that's the that's the model that I would you know draw that from, and that's pretty orthodox. Mm, yeah. Okay. 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 So. Uh... I just want to ask you one last question, bro, because we're okay. uh, over an hour of talking now, and um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it really, great. It really flew. <laughs> yeah, it did. And um, I guess my last question would be like, um, uh, you're someone who's a Christian, you know, and the Catholic, and thinking about and considering philosophy and religion in your daily life. But I guess, like, you know, for a lot of people, it's irrelevant. You know, it's not really. Anything important to think about? They would rather f- focus on work and other parts yeah. of life, right? And or TikTok or whatever. But um, <laughs> h- how would you convince them that you know this is essential? That this is actually something that we we have to think about it, because. It, but coming, especially coming from your perspective, you know that oh, you're, they're all going to be saved anyways. They might, and they, if they do right, believe no in God, over there. yeah. But if they do believe in God, they're just going to avoid, let's say, like a million years in, of purging. Okay, fine. Right. <laughs> but yeah, like from your, but from 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 where you from where you are right now, like how would you tell them that it is important for them to hear the good news and think about all of this stuff that we talk about? Sure, I would say that if I would just I would I'm going to talk to you like you're that person. Okay. okay. Okay, and I'm gonna. What I'm saying to you now, then, because you're that person, is if you're content with how things are for now, great. But if you find eventually, and I think you will, that you're not, that there's a there's, there's a fundamental ache within you that none of these things, like work and TikTok and porn and whatever else you're doing, fills. Right? Uh, know that there is something more out there, and that it's seeking after you and you feeling that is part of that. So reach out to it and, 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 and try to grab it, you know, be like the little baby who holds up her little arm saying, grab me, pick me up. You know, you can't bring God down except by making him love you. Right. By that, by doing that, like that, the little baby does the baby can't pull the adult down, but the baby makes that makes her makes daddy come down and pick her up by being lovable. Love, start with love, and start with asking and seeking, and don't give up when it doesn't work at first. Okay, don't give don't give up, ever. Okay, never give up. Well, um, yeah, I guess just let's never give up and keep asking questions and. Mm-hmm. And I guess that, you know, if whatever, or I guess, like, answer you arrive at, at least you know that you tried, you know, and, 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 you know, like, if, if, if you, if you're only, if you're telling people that, you know, like, just be a loving person, you know, be, be the most loving, loving person that you can be, then I, I don't think that, uh, that would do anything harm to the world, but actually improve the world if everybody became, you know, more loving and lovable. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. But Kevin, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Um, I really appreciate your time. Thank you for having me, Elmo. Been awesome, man. Thank you. I appreciate it too. Thank you.
So that's the end of it. Thanks for tuning in, guys. This is your host, Elmo Ador Jr. And thank you for listening in. And please subscribe. Please follow us on Facebook. Please, please follow this. Please. Thanks. It takes a lot of ingredients to fix or build a car. Like cooking, but without the frozen dinner, easy way out. eBay Motors has 122 million parts. It's always the right fitment, so you can follow any recipe to a T. Whether it's a vintage Italian coupe that's classic like grandma's meatballs or a German luxury car that's as complicated as almost roulade. To cook up something great in the garage, use the eBay Motors app or visit ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. Holidays are here, and so is fashionable fitness. Gift yourself a Samsung Galaxy Z Flip 3 5G, a phone that folds in half to literally stand on its own. Pair it with the Galaxy Watch 4 for ultimate wellness and wow factor. Check health stats, flex personal records. Over 90 activities can be tracked, like biking, swimming, golfing, and more. Invest in yourself with tech made to crush goals. Holidays open up with Galaxy. Shop it all at Samsung.com. 5G connection and availability may vary. Check with Carrier. Products sold separately.